Welcome into Locked On Knicks. It was a nuclear day across the NBA, but things for the Knicks, Gavin, went mostly as expected with one move that everybody saw coming and another move that maybe was a little unexpected. Jalen Brunson, officially a New York Knick. We'll talk about that. Isaiah Hardenstein, there were uh, rumors out there the last couple of days, but it was official today, signing with the New York Knicks, presumably to back up Mitchell Robinson, why he is a much better player than most of you probably think. We'll get into all that right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or you're taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. Uh, for those of you that don't, that usually watch, maybe you notice I'm not wearing a hat today. I noticed that right before we started recording, but I was having a good hair day, so I didn't put one on. Maybe you've never seen me without a hat before and you want to check it out, go on YouTube. Leave a comment about how great my hair looks today. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster on summer hiatus at the moment in pure Nick's mode right now. And <laughs> pure, pure uncut Nick's right now. Oh, right yeah. Now, <laughs> That's what the people wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Including some pure uncut Jalen Brunson news today. Although I shouldn't say uncut. Kind of hilariously, there was like such a funny song and dance where you could tell who was getting their information from what teams today. Uh, the Mavericks clearly trying to start the tampering campaign against the Knicks, uh, presumably leaked to Shams at around five o'clock uh, that the Brunson deal was done already. They hadn't even been granted a meeting and that the deal was going to be around four years and $110 million. Uh, then Chris Haynes comes in about an hour after that and says, actually, the actual terms are going to be uh, four years, $104 million, which kudos to him. He was the first one to nail the actual terms. Then around like seven o'clock, Woj comes swooping in like way later than everybody else and is like, all right, Jalen Brunson just finished his meeting with the Mavericks. And in fact... Uh, you know, they, they offered him a five-year, $106 million contract. And now he's going to take that offer and go to the Knicks and go have a meeting with the Knicks tonight. And then like literally 25 minutes or so before we started recording this podcast, uh, Woj finally tweeted out, Brunson's meeting with the Knicks is finally over and he decided to sign with the New York Knicks four years, $104 million. So uh, depending on, uh, obviously, Woj is getting his information from the Knicks in this case, uh, who are trying to say, no, we had no idea what the Mavericks were going to offer him or whether he was going to be a Nick by the end of tonight. Please don't try to file a tampering, tampering charge against us right now. And then, you know, Shams, who got the information presumably from Mark Cuban himself, saying, nope, they tampered and we already know he's signing with them. So 
whatever. Gavin, how are you feeling after the Knicks land their guy in free agency here? Pretty cool, right? Not not something that happens too often. I mean, is this biggest free agent signing since Amari Stoudemire? I think pretty fair to say that. Uh, I would, I'd certainly, I, I'm much higher on Jalen Brunson than I was on Julius Randle when they got him. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in the intervening 10 years that probably was, but uh, not that I can remember off the top of my head of this caliber. Uh, pretty amazing as I talked about this a lot um, on the pod that was posted earlier today with Ariel Pacheco, but just, just cool to have a really good basketball player. And and you saw the, this wave of players tweeting. I think it was Mikhail Bridges saying like, you know, JB's got a massive bag. And then um, John Morant tweeting out in all cap. I mean, I think then Desmond Bain responded like, yeah, he's a lot of game. And then John Morant was just responded game in all caps. Like this is a guy who certainly has the respect of his peers. You can watch his highlight tape for, I don't know, 30 seconds and see how deep this guy's bag is flat out. I would say one of the most skilled players in the entire league, um, an exceptionally good get for the New York Knicks, as, as I said on that podcast, Ariel, uh, pretty clearly the best point guard they've had since Stefan Marbury. Um, I'd put him uh, probably ahead of John Starks for maybe the second best point guard the Knicks have had in 30 years. I think he'll prove himself to be more reliable than Marbury and maybe will go down as the best Knicks point guard that they've had in the past 30 seasons when this is all said and done. Uh, so a heck of a signing at a position that the Knicks have needed a solution, Alex, seemingly forever. Yeah, I'm. Um... I, I don't know if I'll quite put him on the Amari level of free agent signing, but probably somewhere between like Amari and and Randall. Um, yeah, I was saying best best since Amari. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it I I think I think I would say almost equal with Randall, um, to me at least. Uh, but I think if I remember correctly, I was higher on Randall than you were at the time that he signed, which has worked out both great and terrible for both of us somehow we were, we were right and wrong at various points <laughs> at the same time yeah uh or at various times we've been right and wrong about that but yeah i feel great about it i mean i will say i think contrary to to the case with randall i think that there's like a very high floor for brunson here where i don't really see things not working out to where he's not at least like a a functional starter uh, at the point guard for the Knicks for the next, you know, three years that he'll be under contract, maybe four if he decides to pick up his his player option towards the end. Um, you know, it I, that's worth something. That's awesome. I mean, again, as much as we love Emmanuel quickly, and I think that the Knicks probably could have started quickly this coming season and it would have worked out pretty well. Brunson is a known commodity and he's he's a surefire thing. He is young. He's not a retread. You know, he's not a ticking time bomb like a Kemba Walker or Derrick Rose where you say, all right, I know this guy has been able to play at some point, but how long is his body going to hold up? You know, he's he's not even quite in his prime yet. If anything, the the playoffs showed us that he maybe has another gear to unlock, which might be part of why he decided to do this. I talked about that with with Lauren Gunn the other day about like how much of his motivation here outside of the familial ties to the Knicks and outside of, of course, money is wanting to seek a new challenge, like wanting to be more of a primary option than he was or than he would ever be playing with Luka Doncic, who's maybe one of the most ball dominant players in the NBA, uh, often for better, but in the case of Brunson trying to advance his career, perhaps for worse. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. There's so many tantalizing lineup combinations that the Knicks can put together now, especially with Hartenstein uh, added to the roster as well. And I'm sure that they're not done quite yet. So I'm curious to see where things are going to be when the dust settles. 
But as of right now, I mean, I, I love the move. I love uh, the idea of, of Brunson out there running the show. And I love the idea of like he and RJ Barrett playing together. RJ's already tweeting photoshops of the two of them and stuff. It's really cute. So I'm, I'm ready to see this all, this all get going and it's going to be a pretty agonizing few months while we wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, this is, this is something we'll talk about over the ensuing few months, but I, I just, I'm excited to see what he unlocks on the other players on the Knicks. Um, how will he free up Emmanuel quickly getting, again, something we touched on with Ariel, but getting to play a little bit more off the ball than he did last year and getting to attack a defense already scrambled by Brunson's ability to penetrate into the lane with a whole lot of consistency. Um, how RJ Barrett benefit from a guy who reads the floor the way Jalen Brunson does. He, even even Julius Randle, I mean, we, we saw the two-man game between him and Evan Fournier. If he sticks around, I think the two-man game between him and Brunson could be similar. Heck, Brunson and Obi Toppin, I mean, two of the smartest players in the league at their respective positions. That's going to be a lot of fun. Brunson, a fantastic lob passer, just tossing moon balls to uh, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims, as, as we're going to talk about in a minute, Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty crazy to think about, but Alex, um, uh, before we get into that conversation on Hartenstein, the coolest thing about all this is, uh, you could probably play as Jalen Brunson in, uh, in NBA jam. I don't know. Do they have the updated rosters for NBA jam? Maybe not, but either way, uh, only one word to say, boom, shakalaka. We have big news. The one and only NBA jam is back. Arcade one up the leader in at home retro arcade games is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they made it bigger than ever with wait for it. A shack edition. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever before. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade1Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade1Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $99. So check this out. They're giving away an NBA Shack, NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener, hopefully a Locked On Knicks listener. So enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on you've got till july 8th to enter to win an nba jam shack edition console don't miss out enter today only one question remains who are you gonna play with and alex uh there's uh no question who will be backing up mitchell robinson next year assuming the next sign mitchell robinson which we were still still waiting to hear if that's official so i guess there is a question my bad um the point is they got isaiah hartenstein um Unless I'm crazy, what was it? Two years, $16 million deal? I really should have this off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Um, all right. And uh, as we're about to get into, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you tee it off for us, um, an advanced statistic, ad, advanced statistical marvel, is that? Yeah. Advanced statistical marvel. Uh, he, he was spectacular, especially post-All-Star break for the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Low-key, one of the best passing bigs in the NBA. Low-key had some of the best at-the-rim statistics of any player in the NBA defensively. A guy who maybe many of you haven't heard of, but I think is going to be a really good fit for the Knicks. And perhaps most importantly, provides some real stylistic deviation for Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims. The one question for me is Tom Thibodeau or whoever else is on this Knicks staff creative enough to maximize what Hartenstein could do? Because if he's used the right way as a facilitator at the elbows, I think this is a guy that's going to open up new avenues of offense for the New York Knicks. And I think in particular with Obi Toppin will be a spectacular fit. Yeah, I think the the big thing is uh, the first thing like this is the only real negative that I can find amongst all these other 
amazing advanced stats things that come up when you look at Hartenstein. But uh, he does he did average four point nine fouls per thirty six, which is a positively Mitchell Robinsonian number uh, from earlier in his career with just not being able to contain himself with the fouls. But also, it's a big improvement because Hartenstein earlier in his career was averaging over nine fouls per 36. So now clearly, you yeah, clearly hacking away is still a thing. But he found himself a really great role in like 18 minutes per game for the Clippers this year. He was always an impactful player for them. Uh, 8.3 points, 4.9 boards, 2.4 assists, and 1.1 blocks, again, in just 18 minutes per game. Uh, he also... Shot 38% from three, or I'm sorry, he, he for his career, averages 38.3% from three on a relatively low 0.3 attempts per game. But it is enough to be considered like a fake good three-point shooter. He also is a pretty good uh, mid-range shooter to go with that as well, which is a, a, another selling point for him uh, as far as being able to space the floor in a different way from Mitch. So I, I kind of like that this signing before we get into more of the the advanced stats Gavin that this signing signals that the Knicks realize okay like we talked about this before and you know previously I've said that I kind of like when teams do this especially at the center spot but like in Nerland's Noel they had signed basically someone that did exactly what Mitch could do but not quite as good uh in many cases or in some cases a little better like I think he was better at poking the ball away for steals and his block timing was occasionally better than Mitch's, stuff like that. But basically the same player as Mitch, but without functioning hands on the offensive end. In Hartenstein, they're getting a guy that seems pretty switchy. Like one of my favorite little tools to use is the defensive versatility tool on uh, B-Ball Index. Great website if nobody's ever checked it out. And for six foot ten and taller guys in the NBA last year per B-Ball Index's defensive versatility ratings, uh, Hartenstein scored a 74 in that metric. And the way that that metric works is they determine how versatile you are in defending other players on the floor and then assign it a numerical value from zero to 100. The higher the number is, the better. And for six foot 10 and higher players, last year he finished 14th overall in the entire NBA. Uh, of guys that played at least a thousand minutes, I think he was like, like sixth. So really good company there. Um, he also had a positional matchup estimate of 3.6, which is an estimate of all the positions that you guard basically averaged out. So a three would mean like small forward, which then means that you've guarded all positions pretty much equally. That means that you're trending equal. So to be at a 3.6 as a center is a really good number just for like a little contrast Mitchell Robinson in that same versatility number that Hartenstein hit a 74.0 was at a 49.2, much lower this past year, although Mitch has had a better number in that in previous years. But obviously this year, not as mobile, not as switchy as he been, as he has been in previous years. And Mitch had a matchup estimate of 4.2, meaning mostly he was only defending power forwards and centers. So um, I like the potential versatility that Hartenstein's going to offer on both sides of the ball, Gavin. And I like that he profiles as the type of player that can do things differently than Mitch and give the Knicks a different look uh, out there with the second unit. 
Yeah, so I, I want to dive into some of the um, some of the other offensive and defensive numbers because they kind of blew me away. Uh, big time shout out to Ethan Fuller at Basketball News who wrote an article back on March 31st uh, called Isaiah Hartenstein is the Clippers secret weapon. If I remember, I will link it in the episode description, but he he laid out a bunch of these stats. I just kind of searched the updated versions of them. So it's so a big shouts to Ethan. But uh, again, these numbers kind of blew me away. Um, post all-star break, he was top 10 in the league in assist rate from the elbow. That is not for centers. That is just for everyone in the NBA, um, of guys playing at least 15 minutes per game. Um, he was the third ranked center in the league in assist rate for the entire season at 19.3. Um, that number post all-star break skied up to 24%. Uh, that was only behind Nikola Jokic out of every single center in the NBA. Uh, there's another cool statistic you can find um, on the NBA stats website, which is assist to pass percentage, basically how many of your passes turn into assists. And in that statistic, post all-star break, he actually finished ahead of Nikola Jokic. Of course, Nikola Jokic is throwing much more passes. So that's not to say that he is a better passer than Nikola Jokic, but still pretty ridiculous. He was second in the NBA in that statistic post all-star break. Um, as far as his scoring package, he was 87% from the year in terms of his accuracy from or excuse me, he was in the 87th percentile of all big men in the NBA um, in terms of accuracy from four to 14 feet. He was 91st percentile in volume. That combination suggests he was one of the elite players um, at the center spot in terms of his ability to finish in that short mid-range area. And you watch the tape. He is a pretty nifty, uh, like lefty push shot floater. Um, it's almost kind of Emmanuel Quickly-esque, except uh, as a center, a uh, really cool tool in his toolbox. And again, that, that's that's a skill that uh, Mitchell Robinson doesn't have. Nerlens Noel doesn't have. Jericho Sims, we saw flashes of it in summer league a year ago, but we've not seen the NBA. So just another spot on the floor um, between that uh, little push shot and his passing from the elbow where you can position him a little bit differently. And this is kind of what I was trying to get at earlier, Alex. I think that's going to make a world's of difference for a guy like Obi Toppin, who is so explosive cutting in from the three-point line. And it just changes the geometry of the floor when you have a center who could hit OB on that type of pass and a center because of his accuracy in that range of the floor, you have to guard tightly out to the elbow. So I think that's going to be really, really good for OB. I'm hoping even early in the season, Tibbs pairs them together. Um, Some quick defensive statistics. He was in the 93rd percentile in block percentage at 3.3%, 89th percentile in steal percentage at 1.8%. There were less than 10 guys in the entire NBA that cleared 2.5% and 1.5% respectively in those two categories. So Hartenstein, again, going against backups, but still was elite, elite, elite in those two areas. Um, at one point in the season, uh, as of March 31st, he was in the 99th percentile in the entire NBA and can test for 75 possessions. So just very, very active around the rim. And then the final stat I'll throw out, Alex, before tossing it back to you, he shot 14 of 30 from three last year. So obviously not a true stretch big yet, but there was some real promise in that area. And it was, I don't remember the exact point of the season, but probably somewhere after the all-star break where Ty Lue of the Clippers came out and essentially said, he's wanted to shoot threes for a while. We're going to let him start shooting threes. So I wouldn't be shocked if he expanded on that and maybe got up closer to hundred or 153s this year. Obviously that would be a pretty big jump, but given that he hit, 46% of them, even if he settles around 34%, that can make a worlds of difference for the Knicks offense. And it's what we've talked about over and over again, where we wanted to stretch big to play around Obi Toppin. I think Hartenstein could potentially be that guy. Yeah. I think in many ways, you know, you and I have definitely brought up the name like Mo Bamba before. And I feel like if you do just the smallest amount of digging, Hartenstein is basically exactly what we were trying to talk ourselves into with like, oh, well, if the Knicks go after like a Mo Bamba in free agency, 
like this could potentially be a stretch big. Well, Hartenstein seems a lot more likely to become like an actual good volume or at least like semi-volume three-point shooter enough to be respected, plus doing all the other things that he does well. I mean, I can even see to your point if he and Obi get paired together, which I anticipate they will quite a bit because, you know, we know how Tibbs works. Everything is hockey shifts. So Obi and Hartenstein will probably get a lot of time to get acquainted with one another with how good he is as a passer and running things out of the high post, stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of like backdoor cuts out of Obi Toppin streaking in from the corner three to come in and, and you know, get a quick uh, alley-oop and dunk from Hartenstein with a little four or five action there. So it definitely something I'm looking forward to to checking out with those two uh, because, uh, like you said, I think a stretch big to go with Obi would be super helpful, especially one that can also protect the rim and generate events on defense, which, you know, a lot of times when you get these these centers that can shoot, they can't necessarily, you know, do the defensive stuff quite as well. Um, so it's, it's good to see a guy that can really handle both and hopefully he's able to rein the fouls in a little bit and uh, stay on the floor as much as humanly possible because I think we're both going to have a really good time watching him play for the Knicks. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the big news out of the NBA. We've in many ways buried the lead, but not really because this is a Knicks show. So obviously, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the guys the Knicks got. But uh, a certain player asked out of a certain team across a certain river. What? Uh, yeah, really? very, clo- very close to the Knicks. I know. Patty Mills? <laughs> it'll No, not him. But oh. he's he's coming back. But it, it'll be revealed shortly. Okay. Uh, in fact, the, the big news that we're reporting on is that Royce O'Neal got traded to the Nets. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll give a quick place where people can bet on the next destination for Kevin Durant which I'm sure is going to happen. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league news and reviews, including this year's Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. And, of course, you can also check out stuff like what Kevin Durant's next team will be, which I cannot find odds for just yet. I'm sure the odds makers were taken just as a pack as everybody else today, but you'll be able to bet on it soon enough on BetOnline.net as well as maybe place some money on my Mets because I see that they're not favored in their game for tonight. And that is absurd. The Mets should be favored in every single game. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And Gavin, we're back getting into the big NBA story of the day. We'd be remiss if we if we didn't at least give a little bit of a take on it at the end of the show. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you to introduce this big news as the once once maligned former co-host <laughs> of the Locked On Nets podcast. I feel like you need to uh, you need to introduce this news here. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you, you don't want to you want me to set the tone in terms of how gloaty uh, we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it keep it contained. And then, yeah, yeah set a set a bar. 
Um, Talk about how the yeah. best move of your career was moving from one show to the other, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I distinctly remember um, our boss, David Locke, who if, if the, our, our uh, midterm listeners as of a couple of months ago, remember him coming on and talking, uh, talking a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, about his Utah jazz uh, when we were having a conversation with him. He, he tweeted out that day, uh, crazy, our Locked On Nets host left for Locked On Knicks a few months ago. Bet he regrets it now. Uh, do it okay, David. I'm set. I'm good. We got Jalen Brunson. I'm ecstatic. Best player in New York from day one. Um, I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see what Ben Simmons has. Unless it's RJ Barrett. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless it's RJ. Yeah, screw Ben Simmons. It's RJ Barrett. Um, man, you know, maybe it's Julius Randle. Who who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, yeah, this was I and mean, this was shocking, right? I mean, we thought the Nets had had. I thought the Nets had dodged a bullet um, with Kyrie Irving coming back for next year and looking at their team, like. If I'm going to be objective, if I'm going to be former host of Locked on Nets here, they had a great chance at winning an NBA championship next year. Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and, uh, like a half-decent bench. I Going into next year, I thought Durant and Irving were pretty perfect to cover up Simmons' weaknesses, and Simmons was pretty perfect to cover up Irving and Durant's weaknesses. Obviously, the East is loaded. Uh, you have the Celtics, you have the Bucks. Uh, the Clippers are only getting better out West. The Warriors will obviously be back. It was no sure thing, but this team was a bona fide NBA championship contender. And it's gone from that to, again, one of the great disasters given what happened a decade ago with that Celtics trade in NBA history. And we, we were discussing this pre-show, Alex. They're, they are not as down bad as they are after that Celtics trade because they're going to get a haul back for Kevin Durant. They'll at least get some, some interesting picks or a young prospect back for Kyrie Irving if he is part of the deal, too. They still have uh, Ben Simmons for, uh, I mean, a guy who obviously hasn't played basketball in 14 months, who is occasionally afraid to take layups in the closing moments of big playoff games. All that being said, is still a, a heck of a talent. Would, I think, on the open market, still be one of the more interesting young players in the entire league. So they don't have nothing. You you could argue, if, if you took out the context that they were losing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that they could potentially be in a fairly comparable situation to the New York Knicks once those trades are done. And that depends how many picks they recover because they owe their entire future of picks to the Houston Rockets as things currently stand. But man, oh man, oh man, I just, I can't help but think back to that James Harden trade. And if the Nets had just kept, again, what was what sort of made them attractive to KD and Kyrie in the first place together, Jared Allen, who's now a, a bonafide all-star at the center position, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, not stars, but really nice players. Uh, that felt like a more sustainable version of the team. Instead, they went all in on Harden. And I don't know if that was the wrong move. I think they pretty clearly would have won the NBA championship a year ago if Harden and Irving hadn't got hurt, if just one of those guys had stayed healthy. But it didn't happen, and and now it's all blown up, and it's it's a disaster of epic proportions. There's no other way to frame this. Yeah, I just gotta I just gotta start with one thing, and that's to to quote a legend and go, "Hey, KD, don't you regret not coming to the Knicks? Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks?" You know what what what, uh, what is that guy up to tonight? Is he just is he just walking around town and being like, guys? That was Pro me. Probably that on was Twitter, me. probably on Twitter, basking in his his like three second clip uh, <laughs> going viral like five thousand times again. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I'll say objectively, you know, they're definitely not in as bad of a spot as they were with the the Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett thing. Because I was saying this too before we started recording. Like, the big difference is, yes, they're out more picks now than they were then, but they also have a way better avenue to recoup them. 
than they used to uh, with Garnett and Pierce. I mean, Garnett and Pierce almost like retired <laughs> when they left the Nets. If we're being not have a lot left. of trade value when that was over. No, not, not a lot left in the tank when those two left. Like Pierce, I think, played like two or three more years. Um, and Garnett, I think, just went on like his one year to Minnesota and then like bought a stake in the team or whatever. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 an entirely different situation where you have Kevin Durant that you can trade. And it'll be interesting to see how Brooklyn approaches it as far as are they going to want to try to like reload around Ben Simmons and build a team that, I mean, look, we saw in the East this year, it's, there's a lot of parody in the East now, but it's, you know, teams like you can make like one or two moves and, and be right back in the thick of things, you know, in this conference now, like it's very wide open uh, compared to how it has been in, in, recent years although more competitive but still i mean you, you could compete if you build a good enough team you know and i think they could in theory with durant at their disposal so are they going to do that to try to protect the picks that they're sending away to to houston or are they gonna you know just try to trade away kd and be like just give me as many draft picks as humanly possible to you know replenish this horribly you know downtrodden pick stash that we have here or lack thereof uh and that would essentially just be trying to do it almost like how they did it uh the first time around when they you know got d'angelo russell kind of off the scrap heap from uh, uh from the lakers and then used their picks to take those guys you mentioned uh in like the 20s you know jared allen and karis lavert and you know pick dinwiddie up off the scrap heap just through like diligent pro scouting and everything and managed to build something out of nothing there. So I don't know. We'll see. The other thing is, is Sean Marks even going to be able to see the light of day for that to happen? I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if <laughs> honestly, if, if he executes the KD trade and then they essentially just fire him because they want to be like, well, we need to get done with this quick and we don't want to have a rookie coming in here, having to trade Kevin Durant for his first move. So we'll let you do that. And then, okay, bye. Happy trails. Like, you know, that's it. Dude, can I ask you real quick? Do you think he should be fired? Because I know, like, I saw a lot of Knicks fans being like, well, Sean Marks could do nothing wrong. And I, I understand, like, how different the coverage is because it's the Nets versus, like, the Knicks. Like, the Knicks GM would have been run out of town already in this scenario. But, like, I don't what, what like, where, where do people think that he really screwed up? Like, what is it just the hardened trade? I mean, to me, and, and like, when I talk to, I have a lot of friends who are Nets fans, like, the, the big thing for them was that they couldn't find a way to trade Harden without keeping Jared Allen. And that I'd stand behind. And that was kind of nuts. And also a lot of people, uh, even though he's like my all-time favorite player, so I've, I've trouble saying this, but a lot of people think Steve Nash really sucks as a coach. So maybe maybe that's part of it. But I, I don't know. Do you do you think he should be fired? Because he, to your point, he did a lot of exceptionally good stuff to get them to the point where they were a candidate to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't think he should be fired on the basis of KD and Kyrie. I yeah. think the Harden trade almost by itself is enough to get you fired though, because I mean, how do you commit that many resources and things to a guy and to a team where you're not a hundred percent certain that they're all going to be committed to one another, you know, like to give up five unprotected first round picks in a row. Like, you know, they can't do that because of the Steppian rule technically, but they gave three unprotected picks in alternating years. And then the two in between years, gave Houston full swap rights, like for any pick. So Brooklyn could get the number one pick three years in a row and not get to keep any of them. I mean, it's that's malpractice in today's NBA. I mean, we just saw what happened with the Knicks 
you know, with trading back or trading out of the draft where all those protections are on that pick, the crazy protections are on the, the Charlotte pick from a year ago. Um, even like, I mean, Atlanta doing what they just did is kind of nuts, like trading two unprotected first round picks for DeJounte Murray, who might not even be a great fit with Trey Young. You know what I mean? It's it that is the move to me that I say, nah, you, you kind of screwed up there. And then hilariously, the move today with <laughs> literally within a minute of each other, like Shams had the two tweets. And I think the KD one came first, which made it more funny. He tweets Kevin Durant and his and his agent Rich Cliven have asked out of Brooklyn. And then like one minute later, it's Brooklyn has traded a 2023 first round pick for Royce O'Neal. Dude, it's, that was so weird. I, I don't I don't get that at all. What was I think, that? I yeah. think what happened is that I don't think Sean Marks knew that KD was going to do this. I would be willing to bet that Sean Marks learned about this on Twitter. Um, oh, wow. I saw from somewhere, I don't know yeah. if this was sourced or whatever, that that like Durant had apparently had a meeting with Joe Psy but they hadn't told Sean Marks yet. So then Sean Marks made the deal. And now I'm sure Utah's like, no backsies, give me the pick. Like, Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So it's a bad like day for the Nets. Jeez. Bad, bad yeah. day. Yeah, bad day. Yeah. And I'm let just going to smile yeah. and laugh. <laughs> let, me, let me throw out one thing because I want to I wanna look at that Harden trade real quick in contrast to the Anthony Davis trade, right? And this is real. History is written by the victory stuff because obviously, and look, obviously Anthony Davis, uh, even though he wasn't great last year, I'd, you'd much rather have him at James Harden at this point. He was, I think, four years younger at the time of that trade. You could certainly make a case that, um, that AD was the better player at the time when both were dealt, though Harden played essentially like an MVP the first year that he was on the net. So anyways, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, point being um, the Lakers gave up like a similar amount in terms of picks plus Brandon Ingram and Lonzo ball, but they won the championship. So no one can really say anything going forward because the, the goal of the game is, 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 is as, as uh, your boy Herm Edwards would say is, is to win the game or to win the championship. Um, and the nets, as I just noted before, I think one of James Harden or Kyrie Irving is healthy. They took, the Bucks, who, who won the title that year, to overtime in Game 7. Oh, everyone talks about the infamous foot. Um, but either of those guys are healthy. I think that team rampages to an NBA title. But that doesn't happen. And it, it's so – I don't know. I guess it's I, – I don't – I don't even know if I have a concluding point here other than the fact that like that's sort of the beauty and, and, and the pain of this game is, is it's all is so much of it is randomness and you can, you can make the right decision over and over and over again, but at some point you have to go all in and it might work out like it kind of did for the Lakers, even though they're going to be down bad for the foreseeable future, or it could work out like the Nets where you win one playoff series in three years and, and now it's all over and you're rebuilding all over again. And I guess part of the nice thing of like the Knicks sucking for the last 20 years is we've never gotten to that crucial juncture where it could go all bad after you go all in. But I'm wondering if maybe we're within a couple of years now of that with the New York Knicks, will they'll have that chance to go all in and send out these 11 first round picks they have over the next seven years for someone who could put them, if not in that championship conversation, at least in that ballpark, will they do it? Will it go right? Will it go wrong? I don't know, but I, I will say this Brunson move, at least to wrap up my end of this podcast, Alex, it, it's it's starting them on that track down that line of like, all right, things are for real now. Who do we have? Who are we keeping? When are we going to go all in for like the final two, three pieces for this team? But you have the makings of, of something interesting and certainly a very watchable and enjoyable basketball team now. 
Yeah, I don't really have anything more to add. I was literally going to end on almost the exact same point, like word for word. <laughs> just say like, hey, you know what? At least the Knicks are like on the right track for what it seems like. And we could just kind of sit back and enjoy with still minimal expectations and not have to deal with these sort of earth shattering, you know, franchise altering trades for a little while. So we'll end the podcast there. Thank you all for listening. Of course, free agency just started. And there are going to be some more moves. We'll have you covered for all of them. And then we'll be talking all offseason, many times a week, all the way up until when the Knicks start playing basketball again. So uh, keep your ears on us. Keep your eyes on us if you're on YouTube. We appreciate it. You know, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, let us know in a YouTube comment. People always just tell us we suck. I would love to hear that you guys like the content every once in a while. So, uh, you know, just leave us a nice note or a nice little iTunes review or whatever. We, we really appreciate that and we do read them. So. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is just the beginning of what will surely be a long off season for the Knicks. But until uh, next time, we'll talk to you guys I'm sure many times in the next week or so. So peace out. Talk to you all soon.